Today, documentary films are experiencing a major renaissance, and for good reason. But why are audiences increasingly choosing fact over fiction? Is it a dearth of realism, like endless comic book sequels and end-of-the-world action movies? Are viewers choosing authentic storytelling over spectacular visuals and far-fetched plots? Or maybe it's because docs f***ing rule. Hi, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And we host SupDoc. We didn't go to film school. We're just two comedians that dork out on docs. And since 2015, we've been recapping amazing documentaries with comedians, actors, and filmmakers like legendary comedians Dana Gould and Todd Glass. Musicians like Yacht and Dan Deacon. And even media stars like Jesse Thorne and Francesca Fiorentini. The AV Club called us enlightening, and Boing Boing said SupDoc is a great idea for a podcast. So find us wherever you get your podcasts or join us at SupDocPodcast.com. And follow us on social media at Subdoc Podcast. In Southern California, just outside Hollywood, there is a most unusual hotel. A hotel dedicated to the golden age of cinema and the departures of its most influential and notorious players. It is a destination that spotlights the manners in which these men and women of Hollywood perished. From the tragic suicide of actress Lily Fay at the cliffside northerly in Oregon, to the eerie death of Martin McQueen inside West Virginia's Rhododendron Resort. The rooms are decorated with an array of evidence and clues unique to each death, and fitted with a cast of department store mannequins which stand in for those involved. Welcome to the Swan Hotel. Mr. Moffat hit his head. I'm fine. I'm fine. Let's set him on the bed. Yeah, I'll phone the doctor. <clears throat> You'll do nothing of the sort. Just bring us a couple aspirin, would you? Mr. Moffat, I'm so sorry this happened. If it's any consolation, we got the shot. At least I think we did. Really, I'm just tore up over the whole thing. Oh, don't beat yourself up, kid. It isn't your fault. It's mine for signing up for this cockamamie two-bit circus. Where do you get off dragging us out to the middle of nowhere like that? Uh, why don't we let Mr. Moffat rest, huh? Gee, I'm awful sorry. It's just we want to do something special, and the creepiness out here really rubs off on the picture. You understand? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You understand, don't you, Mr. Moffat? Thanks, Kenneth. Now, Oscar, get in bed. How you holding up? I feel like a fool. Why don't you let me call your doctor? I don't need a doctor. This dome scene worse. You were out cold. I guess I should be thankful they didn't throw dirt over me. Oh. Hmm, I see. Alan, what am I doing? I'm too old to be running through the woods chasing the past. Mr. Wickman, he's a good director. Kenneth Wickman. Kenneth Wickman is the face of what's rapidly approaching. Or the face of what's already here. Look at those kids out there. Bouncing up and down the sidewalk, vital and unabashed, unfettered. 
eager for tomorrow. Not fearful. Greeting open doors and thresholds with a smile, not a wince. They expect a treat, not a trick. And look at their costumes. Grotesque masks and gore, demented clowns and chainsaw-wielding psychopaths. A far cry from the tritely familiar, and in the case of this evening, painfully absent faces of old Oscar Moffat. Passé personas with a gold watch and a standing plot inside the dusty archives of a downtown studio. Down there, Alan, those are the new faces of horror. In more ways than one. New taking up new. Oscar Moffat, legendary monster and creature actor from the 1930s and recent recipient of a monologue on progress. He's currently the star of a low-budget horror movie best suited for the companion end of a double feature, the kind of material that dwindles a leading light to a mere glimmer. And in a small Massachusetts town on the evening of Halloween, Mr. Moffat, like the children outside his window, will too be greeted by an open door and threshold. A threshold beyond which nobody knows. A threshold to a place of immortality and lasting renown within the tranquil walls of a hotel called The Swan. Welcome, trick-or-treaters, to the Knotted Elm Inn and room 204. Here, take these. <clears throat> Oscar, I really wish you'd let me call you a doctor. No more of that now, Alan. I'm fine. Just a bump. It's gonna take more than a bruised melon to get me in front of a doctor. Then how about getting back into bed? Your oppressive demeanor precedes your kind-hearted disposition, old friend. You're as stubborn as an ox. Mule, eggcorn, and it's strong as an ox. Which I most certainly feel. <laughs> and as tough as shoe leather. I prefer the old boots. But then again, that's my motherland speaking. Well, whatever it is, you're a pain in my ass. <laughs> I suppose my gruffness precedes my indebtedness. <sighs> ah, this is nice. This is the best place for me, Alan. Right here in bed. Not laboring through the fallen logs and dying foliage of America's last untraversed forest. Being guided by a babe with a viewfinder and illusions of grandeur. Uh, delusions? Ah, oh, tummy rot. A blanketed mess of uninspired drivel. Clad with flashy effects and masked with a pungent fragrance of old. Airs of nostalgia. Packaged with excessive violence and acute sadism. Pointless nudity and drug abuse. Homage, they say. Spoken in the same breath as the classics. 
Dr. Wax, or the Phantom of Belle Isle. Coattails and fan films. A generation of scavengers picking the bones of those that came before them. Uninspired drivel. And the newest addition to the Oscar Moffat legacy, so the story goes. Yes, sir, Alan. This is without question the best place for me. With my toes warm and my back supported. Oscar, how long have I been your manager? I mean, how long have I advised you? Oh, since you were a fair-faced kid who tracked mud into my office. And in all that time, have I ever steered you wrong? Nothing comes to mind, but then again, things are touch and go in my ailing state. And as sharp as a tack. Make that two tacks. Sadly, times have changed. So have ticket holders. And I'm no longer fair-faced. Like yours, my skin too shows the passage of time. My hair, what's left of it. What I'm trying to say is, this is a good move. What happened, Alan? Where did the fantasy go? I don't know, Oscar. Well, I highly regard your counsel and am incredibly grateful for your service and friendship over the years. And as much as I hate to admit it, you're right. You're absolutely right. Good, I'm glad you were... Times have changed. People, too. Yes, sir, time marches on, and unfortunately, I'm caught in an ever-growing dust devil, spinning about, unable to perceive direction. Audiences today? They're the real slasherm and leave em sort, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yes, I, I think that's a fair assessment. I thought so. I'm afraid I bruised more than my head back there in those woods, Alan. You know, I never made much of my self-image. Was never all that prideful, never boasted my achievements, never clung to my innovations. But that's chiefly because they were always there, always right in front of me, a daily reminder. Whether it be at the studio, the stage boy taking my coat when I arrived and holding the door for me when I left, high esteem for a job well done, not to mention my Hollywood station. Outstanding performance, Mr. Moffat. Fetch your hat for you, Mr. Moffat. We're out at dinner. Fans approaching our table still with fear in their eyes asking for an autograph. And their smile when they saw the electrowaves between the T's or the eyeball in the O. Or a child's costume on a brisk October evening. These days, my presence on set is nothing more than a presumed feather in someone's cap. And only now, without that daily reminder, do I concern myself with matters of self-image and accomplishments. Only now do I cling to them like grim death. Times have certainly changed, and my faces, which I cling to so, become a saddening bore. You're a cornerstone, Oscar. Cornerstone? 
I'm a building block that's been covered up by years of progress and reduced to a slab deteriorating under the weight of my successors. A frighteningly dull institute of obsolete and predictable things. A forgotten museum piece which docents use to prop open a door. You shouldn't say those things. You're right. I'm sure you hate having the better part of your career placed in the category of wasted time. And you know that's not what I meant. People hate to be reminded of the truth. It's such an inconvenience. You're not an inconvenience. No. Just an old man that can't see in the dark. Come in. Here you are, Mr. Moffat. This ought to fix you right up. It's my famous butternut squash soup. Warm your bones and fill your belly. Madam, you've run a fine establishment. I mustn't forget to thank Mr. Wickman and his springing for the quaint and congenial accommodations of the Knotted Elm Inn, my temporary abode. Mmm, and delicious, too. Are those pumpkin seeds I taste? Why, yes, they are. I thought so. Roasted and fit for a king. We're all so thrilled to have you here. Really? All? Well, you know, in the general sense. It's really just me here. Oh. Sure, we have some help in the summer. This time of year, though, it's just me. Up and down the stairs, changing the linens and firing the stove. My father opened this place in 1927. He was a big admirer of yours. I remember he took me into town once to see your Swamp Goon picture. I never really much cared for the horror movies. Still don't, but he got a real kick out of them. I see. We're all just really big fans of what you do. Well, thank you again for the soup, madam. It was my pleasure. Now you rest well and don't bother with the tray. I'll be back up for it later. Thank you, ma'am. Oh, madam. Next time, perhaps add a few measurements of ground cinnamon to the pot. Or freshly grated nutmeg. They make all the difference. Otherwise, you're left with a bland and unimaginative puree that bears a striking resemblance in both taste and color to the regurgitated contents of a cat's stomach. What? But but you said... (laughs) Thank you, ma'am. And as mean as a snake. Oh, here comes that inexorable mouth of yours, ready to spew vast quantities of cheery, dogmatic guff. There's no need to get nasty. She didn't mean anything by it. She was trying to be polite. Admiration is admiration. Who, Who cares where it comes from? Soup that isn't cold is hardly a standing ovation. You know what I mean. It's actually quite good. The world isn't out to get you, Oscar. When are you going to learn to mind your affairs? Well, when you learn to eat soup without getting all over yourself. Look at you. Oh. Here, let me help you. I can clean myself, thank you. Almost got it. Alan. Almost got it. Here, just stay still. Alan. Oscar, I'm sorry. 
You're right. I, I wasn't thinking. <clears throat> I care. What's that? The answer to your question. Who cares? I care. It isn't all getting old and being behind the times. It's been ages since Dr. Wax or the Phantom of Belle Isle, or the Swamp Goon, for that matter, scared anyone. Truth of it is, I've grown accustomed to not seeing those faces skipping up to doors each year. Certainly doesn't make the season any easier. It just isn't the jolt it once was. No. My trepidation sits right here with this frayed canvas that lies before you. This melting bust atop my torso. This face. The face behind the masks. For the better part of a lifetime, my lifetime, people have recognized me and had no idea who I am. Until they hear your voice. Yes, I suppose we have radio to thank for that. Oscar Moffat's crypt show and all the experiments over the years. Small screen, too, for that matter. The Saturday evening spook shows. Overseas broadcasts. Little Lily snack cake commercials. Not my grandest hour. Hey, it kept you in living rooms. Life support, really. No, they've all been good to me. But even then, things were different. The days of autographs in restaurants were long gone, nothing more than a distant memory. It was the ending of an era, punctuated by the deafening sound of a cannon blast in an early morning air raid. After that, I was nobody without my makeup, without my teeth, my hair, my gills, my red or yellow contacts. And yes, my Saturday evening film presentations and dessert ads. I suppose that's better than today. At least back then they recognized me when I was in costume. These days I'm lucky if they don't throw me in jail for my get-up. The 50s ushered in a new wave of low-budget producers. A generation of B-movies, for horror shows anyway. Westerns had been baking in the sun long before. Outdoor shooting, minimal lighting, cheap. And neither one of us have to look very far to see how many times that page has been turned since. That succession, the natural sequence of events. Doesn't mean I have to like it. <laughs> no. And as the years go, so do my iconic features. The strong jaw, the entrancing eyes, the prominent brow. Time marches on, and each step casts a thick, billowing fog around a time when this face carried the day. <sighs> I suppose now my remembrance lies in the care of Kenneth Wickman, and his laborious pages. Pages that have been written 10,000 times or more. I don't enjoy dawdling the past like this, Alan. But I know what I want. What's that, Oscar? Dignity. 
and I'm certainly not going to get it out there walking myself square into a tree branch. Look at me, sitting here half-speckled in ridiculous paint, challenging time. And for what purpose? So some half-cocked creation with a senseless origin can chase half-naked women through the woods. <laughs> you had a rough day, it happens. I'm afraid I'm brimming with rough days. What are you saying, Oscar? I'm saying I'm ready to take off this makeup. No, 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 not like that. Though it irritates like hell. I mean, for good. The face underneath it may have changed. It certainly doesn't turn heads like it used to. But it's a whole hell of a lot better than this. <laughs> We're in the middle of shooting, Oscar. Listen, these filmmakers respect you. You may not think they do, but they do. Kenneth knows what he's doing. He's a passionate director. Sure, times have changed and the material's not what it once was. Look, I know... I know what you're feeling. Believe me. Every time I catch my reflection, I think, who is that old man? There's a lifetime between wrinkles and canyons, Alan. What are you going to do, Oscar? Spend the remainder of your days indoors with the shades pulled? That image you go on about is still very much alive. Blood pumping and all. I imagine it's difficult to throw in the towel when you yourself still have so much fight. Finish the picture, Oscar. Not for me. I don't want to appear foolish anymore, Alan. Dignity should never be a memory. Why don't I let you get some rest? You'll feel better about all this in the morning. You know, start fresh. Oscar? Yes? Finish the picture. When we get home, we'll revisit this. You know, make some changes. Everything's gonna work out. You'll see. <laughs> this is good, Oscar. Trust me. Good night, Ellen. Good night, Oscar. On a crisp October evening, while the autumn leaves swirled in the streets and the laughter of children resounded through the neighborhood, a crumbling cornerstone named Oscar Moffat laid down his head one final time and was reunited with a distant memory. Beyond this threshold awaits a stage boy with an outstretched arm to take your coat and a faint-hearted fan seeking an autograph. And so during this week's festivities, Look out among the multitude of faces for a remnant of silver screen horror and a glimmer of Oscar Moffat. Those of you in Hollywood, feel free to ring the bell of a unique hotel high in the hills and take the main staircase a short distance to room 204, where you'll be greeted by the old world charm 
and country ambiance of the Knotted Elm Inn. And in the bed, you'll find a mannequin of Mr. Moffat. You may not recognize him at first, for you see, he'll be wearing his true face. No fangs, no wolf hair, no scales or alligator skin. Only a smile and a small bump on his head. Tales from the Swan Hotel is written and directed by Thaddeus Ellenberg and produced by Will Scoville. Tonight's episode starred Joe Higgins as Oscar Moffat. Additional voices by Allison Mick, Tom Bridgman, Thaddeus Ellenberg, and I'm Ron Chapman. Original theme by Nick Starkey. Artwork by Justin Devine. Tales from the Swan Hotel is independently produced by Will Scoville and Thaddeus Ellenberg. You can find more episodes and help the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes and Stitcher, or leaving a comment on SoundCloud.